0: Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello, and welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. My name is Stacey Morgan, and I'm so thrilled to be able to co host this podcast with the fabulous Regold. How are you, Re? I'm excellent today. How
1: are you, Stacey?
0: Doing really, really well and excited to be back in the podcast chair recording with you. Thank you so much to everybody who got in touch with us after our first episode. We are pleased to be back too and we're glad that you guys are, are happy that we're here. Today's episode is sponsored by IDEA, the Dance, the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, which we founded five years ago coming up to uh, the fifth birthday, which we'll be celebrating at the Dance Life Conference this year. If you don't know about idea and you'd like to find out more go to ideadance.org but during the last couple of months especially re idea members have been getting a feast of information and knowledge and education as part of their membership what are some of the things that they have been learning
1: you know uh the focus for the last two or three months has been really preparing everybody for a fall season that is going to bust out of the walls i say that with a smile on my face um we're doing a registration strategies with our members we're doing uh entire it's a two episode session on google adwords presented by uh jessica randall awesome and we're Also into uh, strategizing, uh, maximizing our fall schedules, determining our peak times, looking at the schedule a little differently than we have in the past. So, uh, yeah, we're on it. We're trying to make it so that our members can confidently head into the new year or the new season.
0: I love that. And if you're a dance studio owner who's not yet a member of Idea, you can register at ideadance.org. Today, we're going to be talking about the things that we're doing now that we weren't doing before the pandemic. All of those new exciting things that are now part of our vernacular and part of what we were doing. And last episode, we were talking about technology and the fact that, you know, everyone – you know, my dog knows how to use Zoom almost, I feel, because there's been so much Zooming going on over the last couple of months, but that wasn't always something that we were really familiar with. But there are so many things in our dance studio, not just Zoom, not just the technology, that are now you know part of what we do and, and exactly how we do it. There's so many aspects of, of the dance studio world. You know When we do recitals, when we do competitions, when we do normal classes, when we have open week. I know that's been a really big deal in my studio. Like people can't come into the studio to see their child dance anymore. So there's been so many different changes. What are the things that um, for you that you've really noticed across the board for our community that uh, have changed in a really big way?
1: I think if I were to say the number one thing that comes to mind is that the structure of a nine or 10 month program could be semesters is still causing apprehension mm. because people have a hard time looking out as crazy as this sounds, 10 months or yeah. nine months. Yep. So I think that there needs to be, I'm not going to say more options because we are Obviously, what we want to do is fill the programs that are our annual program, but I think that we have to be open-minded about, let's say, creating six-week, eight-week, ten-week programs where a parent can confidently know that they can pay for the program. Maybe there's no uh, costume commitment. And bring in students whose parents may be fearful of that, I don't know, annual dance lesson thought, Mm. where in the past I would have suggested not pursuing those people. But this is another thing that I say about that. If I can get that child in six weeks and they like it and they're feeling confident about my school, they're probably going to register at my school so I may not have got them in there to make that commitment had I not offered that door to enter.
0: Yeah we used to have such a mindset of you know come in and you're here for the long haul we'll buy you the costume and you'll dance on stage and you know, you commit to the entire thing. And we used to get really frustrated with our customers who would drop out halfway through the season and then we'd have to respace routines and we've already ordered that costume and, you know, troubleshooting around that. But now there is so much value in giving shorter commitments, especially for those families who are, who are less inclined to want to go back, back into those after-school activities and those ex- extracurricular activities because... We've learned that it just we don't know what's around the corner, and and none of us could predict this happening.
1: Right, and I I have a mindset like this. I'm not looking at them as those programs competing against what I'm currently offering. I look at it as their feeder programs to what I'm currently offering, upbringing mm. in a totally different crowd of people who I believe, I don't know, shall I say guests, 50%, maybe more, will probably stay with me or do another six-week program.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you never know, those kids could be the kids that then go on to, they have that taster of six weeks or eight weeks, and then they go on to being a kid that signs up for everything and stays with you until they graduate and... You just never know where those those students are going to come from, and I think it's really important, as well as studio owners, that we're that we're reading the room, that we're reading our community, and if we do know that there are parents and families out there who are feeling anxious, you know, really meeting them where they are. I think that's something we've learned during the pandemic that it's not any more about what we need or what we do or how we've always done things. But it's instead about having a look at the community, reading where they're at, what they need, and then innovating the products and services that we have to be able to go and meet them where they're at and provide something that's going to fill, you know, what they need.
1: Yes. But I want to say something. I believe that parents are anxious. I believe kids are anxious. Mm. I think the opportunity is there. But I'm going to say this to our listeners. The opportunity isn't for the child to be in the best dance studio. The opportunity is for the child to be in the best community. The, this environment that's going to make that child feel at home. It's like you, we have to make it so, because here this. They're not going to go back if they were doing six activities, which was too many to begin with, but that's another <laughs> podcast. They're not going yeah. to all go back to dance. We have to resell the benefits of dance education. Mm-hmm. And that benefit is about that community right now. Yep. It's not that we're going to make your child a great, phenomenal dancer. We're going to take your child in... And they're gonna be a part of this awesome community and camaraderie that supports each other. That's the product.
0: Yes. And I, I challenge dance studio owners who are listening to this to have um to to hear that and to think about what they've got out in the marketplace currently in terms of their their communication and advertising. Is oh, are they communicating exactly what you just said, those soft skills, those those things that we know are the benefits of dance, but perhaps our audience have no idea. Are we selling that confidence? Are we selling that um, camaraderie and that community? Because if we're not, there's a real disconnect between what we want to get into our studio and what we will attract into our studio. And if we want families who are going to help us build that community and look out for each other, then that's what we need to sell because then that will attract those customers. If what we're selling is win a trophy come come to us and we'll make you a star but what we want is to build community there's there's a real disconnect there so for dance studios listening dance studio owners have a think about what facebook ads you have running at the moment what facebook posts you're doing do those posts speak to that that understanding of community and inclusiveness and and building confidence in kids and and have a think about you know, what you're going to be communicating in the future and make sure that there is a really clear alignment between your values and what you want to build in your studio and what you're putting out there.
1: Okay. And I'm going to add to what Stacy just said and say that that messaging has to be in the soul of the teachers too. Mm. Has to be their mindset. Can't just be your mindset. So that's communicating that to your faculty and even the staff and that everybody believes in the same thing. Yes?
0: Absolutely. That's what I'm going to be talking about at the Dance Life conference this year, Ree. We're going to be talking about trust and team and how to make sure that everybody is singing from the same song sheet, which I'm super excited about. So I think that's so. Well, I'll go
1: for a plug right there and say, don't miss the Dance Life Teacher Conference and you have the chance to hang out with Stacey Morgan. (laughs) Take this awesome seminar because they all are. Yeah. How cool is that?
0: Very, very cool. So, when it comes to the things that we that we do in the dance studio, like our standard stuff, re recitals, competitions, costumes, all of those things that used to really stress us out and we've had to re reevaluate and, and rejig how we do them. There's been lots of changes in what we've done and how we're doing it. What are some of the things that you've seen dance studio owners doing across the country during this time? I'm going to take
1: uh, recitals out of that. Uh, question that you just asked me and i um, first I'll, I'll editorialize. I've seen recitals in parking lots. I have seen recitals in amphitheaters. I have seen recitals at drive-ins and, and the drive-in was a movie or show that was created that played on the large screens. This is what I say to everybody listening and how I feel about it. We may not be running our recital at the drive-in too much in the future, but who says that the old way that we were doing recital has to be what we do in the future? How can we benefit from what we've been forced to do? I have a friend, uh, Melissa Hoffman, who's a, who you know and is a member of IDEA. Love. She, um, for the second year in a row, even though she can do her recital in an auditorium with a limited crowd, is doing it again in the parking lot of her beautiful studio, building a stage, and in talking to her this week, she said, I may go indoors, Uh, let me back this up and say, when she does it outside, it's like, Seven or eight dances, and the show is over. And then the next crowd comes in. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me that that's how she may do her recitals, even if they're in an auditorium. Mm. That that's the model that she wants to use. The parents rave about it. Yeah, short, quick. Yep. And and now we're on to the next show. Um running uh, in an outdoor theater an amphitheater or someplace where you can deal with the weather. Wasn't that a cool thing that makes you stand out and be unique and something that parents just like look forward to on an annual basis? They're they're coming back every year because they love this amphitheater thing. Yeah. that you do that makes you unique. I look at it and say, please, please don't automatically say, okay, I'm gonna go back to normal. Say, what worked here? How how much do I need to spend and make to put on this extravagant theater show Is there another way where my families will feel even more sense of community that I can continue to do my recitals? And now here goes one I'm gonna throw out. I know yours is at a different time of the year, but who says a recital has to be at the end of the season? Couldn't a recital be in spring or in fall? And then everybody comes back to the studio and continues taking class? And maybe if I did my recital in the fall, I'm buying costumes at a lesser cost because I'm not trying to buy them during the peak season. Mm. I could go on with this recital one because I'm amazed at the change, but uh, I'll tell you some other things that I think uh, I'll Go ahead. Do you have any comment on what I just said?
0: Well, I was just going to say it's such a great opportunity to be able to say, yes, we have done it that way before, but now we're going to try something new. And a a friend of mine has just taken over from a dance studio, which is, you know, one of our competitors, but we're we're good friends and, and I support her and she supports me. And... And she said, I just really struggle because I want to do new things. And I said, this is the perfect time to do new things because you don't have to do it like you've always done it before. And and I feel like we as dance studio owners across the board do not have to do things how we've always done them just because that's how we've always done them. This is a perfect time to innovate. This is the perfect time to, to survey your parents and say, would it suit you to sit through 40 minutes of dances rather than three hours of dances to see your child... And, and then to meet them where they are and to say, okay, yes, I can make that happen. So it's, it's a good time to try some new things. And some things will work and, and some things won't but I think the idea of Putting on a show in a drive-in or doing it in an amphitheatre is super cool. I wish we had either of those things here.
1: (laughs) I I think the uh, possibilities are endless. I see people in these extravagant wedding venues and their audiences love it because there's a bartender serving cocktails. (laughs) It's like, who thought that this could be where... Let's say you said it, where you're meeting them halfway, where it's a dance recital that there's something in there for them. I guess is the best way to say it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that.
1: Yeah, so um, I'll go. I think there's a change in the costume thing too. I I don't know that I could be wrong about this, but I don't know when people come back, especially here in the states. Who've had to cut back financially, that they're going to want to buy 10 costumes for Mm. their competitive kid, or maybe more than that. Or the ballet tap jazz kid now needs three costumes. I think that that may be a bit of a struggle in the future, and that it might be more of combining a costume or two-in-ones. I could be off on this, but there's a side of me that believes it's going to take a little while till people come back financially and believe that that's a priority.
0: Yeah. It's about confidence, isn't it? People are still are not very confident in knowing where their next paycheck is coming in or or knowing that that is going to be something that's consistently coming in at the moment and you know in order to build that community that we were talking about earlier we don't want to put that pressure on families we don't want families to have to to pay out for the costume instead of feeding everybody that week and and for some families that's what it comes to so it's
1: and and I feel like uh maybe there's some people listening who who the costumes are a big profit center Maybe the processing and the ordering and the sizing and all of the uh expenses of time and effort that go into them maybe a different kind of costume there could be even more profit made. We don't know that, yeah, or a different type of recital fee that encompasses the costume and the video and the we don't know where we can go with this too to create the profit centre that doesn't put pressure on the parents.
0: But can I say for dance studio owners, figuring out that profit centre and making sure that you're looking at each of the different options that you have and making sure that you're going to be okay at the end of it is so important. And I and I do salute dance studio owners across the world during this time who have all of a sudden had to be really you know, conscious of the money that they're spending and that the the expenses that they have in order to make sure their studio is going to remain viable. You know, I think there's a habit for so many small business owners, not just dance studio owners, to, to look at the bank account and think if there's money there, okay, we'll keep pushing on and to not really know, you know, not to have a forecast of where that money is coming from and to be budgeting and it's just easier for us to go, yeah, we'll just buy new tutus and everyone will be fabulous and we'll just as long as there's money in the bank. But this time has really forced everybody to to pull their head out of the sand and to make sure that they know their numbers, which is super important.
1: So because you brought that up, I say to our listeners, know what it costs you to run a class. Know what the expenses are. Don't set your pricing thinking, wow, I wonder what this mom will think if I go up $2. If it costs you, More than what you're making, you're not going to be able to give any children classes. Mm -hmm. So you brought up a point here that I didn't have in this talk, but you have a right to make a living is something I've always said, but you also have to look at it now and be sure that if that class only has seven kids, you can afford that teacher and you can afford to run that class.
0: I think that's another podcast topic, Ray.
1: I do, too. I do, too. So uh, for those listening, you know, one of the upcoming podcasts will be on your value in charging what you must and realizing that making a profit isn't something you should feel guilty about, mm. is the result of your dedication and hard work. And when it happens, you gain the confidence to make your business grow more.
0: Absolutely. Our members of the Gold Alliance had access to a profit first specialist who, uh, you know, taught us all that profit is not a dirty word. And I hope that all of the dance studio owners know that it's so important that you're making a profit so that you don't resent coming to the dance studio every day and so that you can make sure that you know your worth and you're getting paid your worth. we'll talk about that in another episode, Ray.
1: Okay. Um, I (laughs) want to tell you one more thing that I think we should be thinking about and and doing more of. I don't know if it's new, but definitely be considering it. I want to make it convenient for families to bring me more than one child. So I'm going to look at my scheduling and I'm going to make sure that during what I call prime times, that I can take that seven, eight-year-old and they're either little brother-sibling or little sister-sibling and I'm running a eight, nine class or a nine and ten class or younger because, again, I feel like people... Don't want to maybe make that trip twice, don't Mm want to take their kids out twice. (laughs) I know that seems nuts because they were out all the time before, but I think the convenience of being able to offer for more than one child uh, a segment of time on a particular day will improve registration. And... Uh, people have heard me say it, but I, I have to repeat it because it's so important. Don't schedule the classes that make the least profit during the times that are the times that most parents would like to have those two classes next to each other for their children. Yeah. Don't eliminate that and run a class for your more advanced kids that isn't bringing in the income that you could bring in by running the age class that your clientele is looking for.
0: Yeah. Primetime for us is four o'clock, Ray. And at four o'clock yes. on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have classes for five and six-year-olds at the same time as classes for seven and eight year olds at the same time as classes for nine and 10 year olds. So both of those days, there's options there for families who have siblings to be able to come to the dance studio, drop all the children off and go and get a coffee. And that's how we promote it. That's how we promote it. Do you want some time for yourself? Come to the studio on a Tuesday.
1: I'm curious. uh, Any uh, three kids across the board in those classes? Ah, uh, not that Meaning I can think pre-ciple? of at the moment.
0: No, normally there's there's two. There's either a, a an eight and a ten, or there's a you know a six and a ten somewhere around there. But on a Monday, all three of my children dance. So there you go. It it helps when you do the schedule <laughs> to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> you make
1: me laugh. I'm now wondering if you did that the first time so your own children could take class at the same time. Or well, did you do that for the <laughs>
0: I was doing Overall. it long before I had children, but it ha- it happens to work quite nicely now. And uh, isn't it
1: cool that you separated the ages to fit in perfect with your program?
0: Yes. Oh, that's exactly how we did it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I don't know how we went there, but I'm glad <laughs> we did. I, one more thing that I wanted to say, uh, I'm not sure that we covered it. Uh, we may have in the last podcast is really being open to a never ending sort of registration, Mm. meaning don't end it like you might have, let's say if you're here in the Mm -hmm. States and you're August to May or September to June or something like that, don't end registration in two months time. I think next year is gonna be a year of growth and it's gonna happen every month. If we, if we pursue it,
0: and I think it's, it's easy people to pursue, but you Go have ahead. to be really clear on on what that means. You know for some of us, we don't want to be taking in registrations two weeks before recital, but I think we can if we're very clear on what that expectation is and and we have a reduced registration for the end of the year as we head towards our recital, but we do say to the parents, you know your child won't be included in this, but they will get to do." this other bonus free community event as as having a performance opportunity. But I think it's, you know, it's unfair for parents to expect that their child starts and does two weeks of classes and then you stick them on stage in a costume.
1: I agree. With, we, I agree with you there.
0: Yeah. So just setting those boundaries and being really clear on what the expectation is. But yeah, definitely never ending registration and, and continuing to welcome people in and continuing to be in the marketplace advertising to bring people in because that person that starts two weeks before recital, they might sign up next season for 15 classes. Who knows? You want to make sure that you're taking on all of those opportunities.
1: And it's also a time where you might be able to do some of those six and eight week programs when you're coming closer to a recital or a year end performance, run a six week program where you're not turning away these people who want to come. And then give them a ticket to come see the show. And my guess is they're with you at the start of next season.
0: Oh, I love that. I love it. That's a great way to end, Ray. Really awesome.
1: Okay. <laughs> this was fun. I'm so glad to be back.
0: Me too. And if there's lots of things that you are picking up and learning from listening to us talk on the podcast then imagine what you could learn if you were part of idea if you're not part of the international dance entrepreneurs association then go to ideadance.org there's lots of seminars lots of community spirit lots of helping each other out which you will really benefit from and i totally encourage you that if you're not an idea member make sure that you become one especially heading into summer and then heading into a brand new season you want to have uh, the idea members on your team on your side
1: Thank you, everybody, and enjoy
0: the journey. Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life podcast. Learn more about joining the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, and the Dance Life Retreat Center at regold.com or follow Regold's Dance Life on Facebook. Enjoy the journey.